0: hey guys welcome to the show today i was supposed to have victoria jackson on i said that last week but she was in town and we ended up having dinner with her and her wonderful husband paul and we ended up not doing an interview so maybe next time when she's in town so today i want to look at the get the history of the gay movement Uh, it's gay pride month as you all know and I recently read this book called The Gay Revolution. It was written by a lesbian named Lillian Faderman. And it's called, the the subtitle is The Story of the Struggle. It's a very long book. It's like 600 plus pages. And basically, I just want to go through kind of the key turning points in the gay movement, starting in 1924, and take a look at all of those Kind of turning points and and see how we got to where we are today. Um, So let's start with. And by the way, also we're just as a reminder, we're on Patreon, and that's a big help to support on Patreon. You can support. uh, You can uh, subscribe as as little as five dollars a month, and it's very helpful to the show. So thank you guys for that. Thank you for your support. So let's get into. They this book, and also I got some information as well from uh, PBS's American Experience, which also has a timeline on this, but most of my my information came from this book. And so so first, I want to, yeah, how did how did you know, I talk about this all the time, how did homosexual behavior become an identity? How did it it go from a sin to a sacrament? And uh, and so I want to to look at that. And starting in 1924, the Society for Human Rights was started in Chicago by a gay activist named Henry Gerber. It was a short-lived experience in homosexual rights shut down by the police only a few weeks after it began. But it was the first gay rights organization in America And it published the first gay homosexual newsletter called Friendship and Freedom. So that was 1924, 1948. Alfred Kinsey, as you guys probably know, you've heard of Kinsey. He was a biologist and sex researcher. And he publishes sexual behavior in the human male. And he concludes that homosexual behavior is not restricted to people who identify themselves as homosexual. And that 37% of men have, quote, enjoyed homosexual activities at least once. So this was a big deal because it, it kind of flagged to the society, to the culture, that homosexual behavior is, is kind of normal, and uh, it sort of normal it helped to normalize it. And this, the findings, it says, the findings surprised many conservative notions about sexuality, i don't know if those numbers are correct uh who knows what's what's correct with this but um and then in 1950 there was a group called the mattachine mattachine society um, started by harry hay who was a card-carrying member of the communist party and a gay activist based in los angeles and it was a homosexual organization started in Silver Lake. now as you remember, thats Silver Lake is where I met the people in the coffee shop that led me to Christ. <laughs> so it all comes full circle. Um, so Mattachine was, was founded in, in Silver Lake, and which was the, Silver Lake was the original gay neighborhood in Los Angeles, not West Hollywood. So Silver, Silver Lake was kind of the old school gay neighborhood back in the, the early 20th century and maybe before well i think that that's it yeah and the the name matachine came from the french medieval and early renaissance secret fraternity of young bachelors called societe matachine and harry hay declared that homosexuals were an oppressed cultural minority does that sound familiar this is in 1950 and uh An homage to this organization. Actually, there was a a gay bar in downtown L.A. uh, called Mattachine, called Bar Mattachine. It has since closed. It opened in, I think, 2015, but it's no longer there. And in 1979, Harry Hay founded the infamous anti-establishment fringe group called the Radical Fairies. The Radical Fairies are... Uh, basically, a gay group. A lot of them. I think they have a commune in Tennessee or Kentucky. I can't remember where it is. But um, a, an old friend of mine, an old friend of mine in the '90s, joined the Radical Fairies, uh, which was which was kind of crazy. And then in 1951, so in 1950, that was kind of Harry Hay started this gay men's group. And then in 1951, it was time for the lesbians. So it was called Daughters of Belitis, Belitis. It was started in San Francisco by a group of, uh, a small group of women, and it was the first lesbian organization in the U.S. And the the name comes from a poem called Songs of Belitis, published in 1894 by a French author, Pierre-Louis, and Luis initially claimed that the poem was written by a Greek courtesan who was a contemporary of ancient Greek female poet Sappho. The Greek island Lesbos was the home of Sappho, who had sexual relations with women, hence the term lesbian. So we get the the term lesbian from the Greek island Lesbos, as you you may have heard. And the Daughters of Belitis published a lesbian magazine called The Ladder, like something you climb up indicating the magazine's purpose to encourage lesbians to pull themselves up the ladder of social tolerance. So that was 1951. In 1952, the American Psychiatric Association lists homosexuality as a sociopathic personality disturbance in its first publication of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or the DSM. And so the... APA lists homosexuality as a sociopathic personality, but that's not even correct. I mean, it's just biblically. It's just a sin issue. It's a distortion of sexuality. So they got it. They got it wrong. And we're going to come back to this in a minute. The APA, uh, because they changed their stance, obviously on this. Uh, I forgot what year, 1973, I believe. But um, again, this is, This is a sin issue that's the result of the fall. It's a a sexual sin issue, and it's not—I wouldn't call it a sociopathic personality disturbance. Um, And so in 1956, Evelyn Hooker, who was an American psychologist, shares a paper called quote, The Adjustment of the Male Overt Homosexual at the American Psychological Association Convention in Chicago. And her research concludes that homosexuality is not a clinical it, entity and that heterosexuals and homosexuals do not differ significantly. Uh, this changed the clinical perceptions of homosexuality. So that, that had a big impact on the APA's perception of, of homosexuality. And then in 1958, uh, in the landmark case of one ink, one was a homosexual magazine and there was a landmark case one ink versus Olison the United States and, and one was a spinoff of the Mattachine society and the the United States Supreme Court rules in favor of the first amendment rights of the lesbian gay bisexual and transgender magazine quote one the homosexual magazine end quote so that's what this magazine was called. It was called One, and it was the Homosexual Magazine. And so this was the first time in the, that the United States Supreme Court rules in favor of homosexuals. This was in 1958. So this was a big deal. This is kind of where the rubber meets the road, really, uh, in terms of the law. And in 1964, the Council on Religion and the Homosexual. The, um, there was this guy, a liberal minister based in San Francisco called, his name is Ted McIlvaine. He pulled together a group of clergymen for a three-day retreat to address the issue of homosexuality with homosexuals. Out of this retreat came the organization Council on Religion and the Homosexual, whose purpose was to promote a continuing dialogue between the church and the homosexual. Their quote new theology claim that love is the ultimate and only norm of conduct. So in 1964, we already see kind of this movement of church leaders, quote unquote, who are promoting a gay homosexual agenda, or promoting, um. Promoting the idea that, you know, God is love and and homosexual behavior. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing sinful about it. So that was in 1964. In 1966, there was in San Francisco at a 24 hour cafeteria, a a transgender customer, transgender customers became raucous and the police were called and they came and there was kind of a Uh, there was a, there was a kind of a chaos ensued when the police came and when one of the police officers grabs, uh, one of the, the transgender customers, she throws coffee in his face and a riot ensues, eventually spilling out into the street, destroying police and public property. Following the riot, activists established the National Transsexual Counseling Unit, the first peer-run support and adv- advocacy organization in the world. And in 1968, Frank Kameny, a New Yorker, coined the slogan. Now, this is key. This is an important moment. He coined the slogan, quote, gay is good. This idea was shocking at the, at the time and very he was very active in the gay movement and he considered this slogan his greatest achievement because it had the power to make gays and lesbians strong so that's gay is good came from this guy frank kameny in 1968 and then of course in 1969 the stonewall inn happened that's when as you i've said this on the show before the uh, the Stonewall Inn was a gay bar in Greenwich Village, which I've been to many times in the past um, and it was raided by the police in uh in the early morning hours i think on june twenty eighth nineteen sixty nine that's why gay pride is in june um in the month of June the entire month uh and and uh the police raided the the Stonewall inn and there were There were riots after that. The next three nights, there were riots in New York City. And that kind of sparked... That really was a huge spark for the gay movement, the Stonewall Inn. And uh, the gay marches took place the following year in 1970 in New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, to commemorate this event. Um, And... Stonewall the Stonewall Inn now is a is a has the status of a national historical landmark so it's almost like a museum now in New York so if you go to New York I mean I wouldn't recommend visiting it but it's there and it's basically a museum and on June 28 1970 it was there was something called Christopher Street Liberation Day. Christopher Street is the street that the Stonewall Inn is on. Christopher Street was considered really like the gay street in New York. Um, So the Christopher Street Liberation Day commemorates the one-year anniversary of the Stonewall riots. Following the event, thousands of members of the LGBT community marched through New York into Central Park in what will be considered America's first gay pride parade. So as I said... The following year was when gay pride parades really took off in not only New York, but LA, San Francisco, and I think Chicago. In December of 1973, the board at the American Psychiatric Association votes to remove homosexuality from its list of mental illnesses. And again, I agree. I don't, I don't look at homosexual behavior as a mental illness. I look at it as a, I look at it as a sin issue first and foremost. Um, and so in 1974, Kathy Kozachenko becomes the first openly gay American elected to public office when she, when she wins a seat on the Ann Arbor, Michigan city council. So that was a big moment. 1977. I talked about this in another episode which uh, we will put a link to, uh, I think it was called, Why Does God Care About Your Sex Life? I kind of get into this and in and, and that episode, I go through kind of these cultural moments. Um, but in 1977, the TV show Soap was uh, featured a gay character and it was, it was Billy Crystal played the character of... Of uh, this this gay character named Jody, uh, and uh, you might remember him from when Harry met Sally, but the, the it became the first sitcom to feature an openly gay character, and that was a kind of a big turning. point. There had been gay characters, very minor gay characters in in the nineteen sixties in some movies. And, and a couple of TV shows, but they were always sort of these sinister characters. And this was kind of the first uh, kind of hero. And so uh, that was a big deal, 1977. In 1978, I've talked about this before, um, gay activist Harvey Milk was elected to the, the San Francisco... In 1977, he was elected to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. The following January, he walked arm in arm with his lover, Jack Lira, from the Castro to San Francisco City Hall to be sworn into office. Now, Dan White was a firefighter and was also elected to the board. And Dan White was very conservative. And a year later, on November 27, 1978... Dan White assassinates Harvey Milk and his white's actions are motivated by jealousy and depression. Dan White had some mental illness stuff going on. I mean, I think he committed suicide later in life, but it wasn't Dan. I don't think Dan White was homophobic. Um, In fact, I think uh, in Lillian Faderman's book, she says it's not because of homophobia. it, It was because of jealousy and depression. But, of course, the Harvey Milk, that assassination sparked a huge out outcry and, of course, became a movie in 2005, I believe it was 2005, uh, no, no, 2008, Milk became a movie that my old friend Dustin Lance Black wrote, uh, starring um, Sean Penn, and was a huge hit, and so... Um, That was a that was a huge turning point, the Harvey Milk assassination in October of 1979. An estimated 75,000 people participate in the National March on Washington for lesbian and gay rights. LGBT people and straight allies demand equal civil rights and urge for the passage of protective civil rights legislature. So that was a, a huge deal in 1979. The March on Washington. I mean, there were, that was a, a lot of, of people come, coming out of the woodwork. It was kind of the first time that that had happened. In 1980, the Democratic Rules Committee states that it, it will not discriminate against homosexuals. At their national convention on August 11th through 14th, the Democrats become the first major political party to endorse a homosexual rights platform. So that was 1980. In 1981, the New York Times prints the first story of a rare pneumonia and skin cancer found in 41 gay men in New York and California. The CDC initially refers to the disease as GRID, G-R-I-D, which stood for Gay Related Immune Deficiency Disorder. And when the symptoms are found outside the gay community, I guess mainly in intravenous drug users... Um, they lobbied to change the name to AIDS. So it went from GRID to AIDS. Uh, So, yes, that's, that's when the whole AIDS crisis began. In 1982, Wisconsin becomes the first U.S. state to outlaw discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. And so we see already there's this kind of move to to, to uh, change this behavior to an identity, to an orientation. And in 1987, there was an AIDS advocacy group called ACT UP, which stood for the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, started by Larry Kramer, who was a, a major, major gay activist. I think he recently just died, I think a year ago, a couple years ago. And ACT UP was formed in response to the devastating effects that AIDS had on the gay community in New York. Yeah, ACT UP was kind of a very, very radical gay organization. In 1987, hundreds of thousands of activists take part in the National March on Washington to demand that President Ronald Reagan address the AIDS crisis. Although AIDS had been reported first in 1981, it is not until the end of his presidency that Reagan speaks publicly about the epidemic. Now, I remember this growing up. I mean, I, I was in the middle of all this and I remember in my friends, my, my quote unquote, gay friends, um, we were all kind of like, why is everyone mad at Ronald Reagan? Like, what does he have to do with gay men having sex in bathhouses? I mean, it was, it was clear very early on that this was a sexually transmitted disease. And so it was like, guys like take responsibility i mean i had girlfriends who were very very pro gay and who were who would go into gay bars with condoms and and scream at gay men for not using condoms and like hand them out um and so yeah i never understood why reagan ronald reagan was responsible for for gay i mean even for me i was just like i'm responsible for what i'm doing it's not ronald reagan's fault you know that anyone is is contract contracting aids hiv in december 1988 the world health organization organizes the first world aids day to raise awareness of the spreading of the pandemic so that was a big deal um, and, a- and aids became it became the a political tool really to to um further uh advance the the gay movement it was a huge it was it was very strange because it was this kind of uh terrible terrible disease but it it really actually empowered the gay community to to advance the gay movement even more. And it became very, very successful at that. In um, 1991, that was when in 1991, that red ribbon was created to, it was a symbol of awareness for those who were living with HIV AIDS. Um, I don't know if you there's a church in LA. It's been here for so long. It's on, it's in Hollywood on Highland and Hollywood Boulevard, or I think somewhere around there. It's a giant kind of Gothic cathedral. And it has a giant red ribbon on it. It's been there since, I don't know, since I've lived in LA since the nineties. And so obviously it's a gay church. And, um, uh, so that's where the, the red ribbon came from in 1991 in 1993, the department of defense issues, a directive prohibiting us military from barring applicants from service based on sexual orientation quote, applicants shall not be asked or required to reveal whether they are homosexual. This new policy still forbids the applicants from basically saying that they are homosexual or engaging in any homosexual acts. And it's known, you probably, of course, have heard this, it's known as the don't ask, don't tell. So that was the don't ask, don't tell policy. In 1996, September of 1996, Bill Clinton, president, he was president at the time, signs the Defense of Marriage Act into law, or DOMA. The law defines marriage as a legal union between one man and one woman, and that no state is required to recognize a same-sex marriage from out of state. Now, obviously, Bill Clinton, this was just a ploy for him to get re-elected. This was a. This was a all based on political expediency. It wasn't based on his convictions. He was already pro-gay at the time. And so he did this specifically to get reelected because he was getting in a lot of trouble from conservatives. And so um, this helped him get reelected. And then in 2000, Vermont becomes the first state in the u.s to legalize civil unions and registered partnerships between same-sex couples um of course it happens in vermont <laughs> bernie sanders home state in 2003 in lawrence versus texas the u.s supreme court rule, rules that sodomy laws in the u.s are unconstitutional so this basically decriminalizes homosexual behavior In 2004, Massachusetts becomes the first state to legalize gay marriage. The court finds the prohibition of gay marriage unconstitutional because it denies dignity and equality of all individuals. In the following years, New Hampshire, Vermont, Connecticut, Iowa, and Washington, D.C. will follow suit. In 2007, this was kind of a big deal the the human rights campaign sponsored this this cable channel called logo it was a logo was a gay channel and uh to host the first american presidential forum focusing specifically on lgbt issues inviting each presidential candidate six democrat six democrats participate in the forum including hillary clinton and barack obama while all Republican candidates decline. In 2008, uh, in November of 2008, California voters approved Proposition 8, making same-sex marriage in California illegal. So that's surprising in California. The passing of the ballot garners national attention from gay rights supporters across the U.S., Prop eight inspires the no hate campaign, a photo project that, in, that uses celebrities to promote marriage equality. So prop eight proposition eight was on the ballot in California. We have these propositions that you can vote for. And I remember that this is a year. This is almost exactly one year before I got saved. Cause I got saved in September of 2009 and prop eight was called prop hate. And I remember Uh, being, you know, opposing Prop 8 because it, you know, it made same-sex marriage illegal. And I actually went to a Prop 8 opposition rally in West Hollywood. I went to the rally and um, I remember feeling kind of like it was, you know, and I, I get it. Like, I felt like I was part of something big and part of this movement and it felt, it felt very good. And I, I, I can understand why people who don't know Christ go to these things and think that they're doing good. In 2009, President Obama signs a presidential memorandum allowing same-sex partners of federal employees to receive certain benefits. The memorandum does not cover full health coverage. So even in 2009, again, this was right. Before, this was June of 2009. This was a few months before I got saved. Uh, president Obama is already starting to push for, for gay rights and gay, the gay movement. Um, and he's fully kind of on board there, but not, we, he doesn't get fully on board until a little bit later. Um, in 2010, a federal judge in San Francisco decides that gays and lesbians have the constitutional right to marry and that prop eight is unconstitutional. So then Prop 8 basically goes away. In 2010, December of 2010, the U.S. Senate votes 65 to 31 to repeal don't ask, don't tell policy, allowing gays and lesbians to serve openly in the U.S. military. So, again, that was a big, big turning point. Um, And in February 2011, President Obama states his administration will no longer defend the Defense of Marriage Act which bans the recognition of same-sex marriage. So Obama strikes down DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act that Bill Clinton put in place in 1996. And so uh, that was a huge, huge blow to marriage. Uh, Marriage being a covenant between one man and one woman for life. And so uh, Obama strikes that down. In 2011, New York state passes the Marriage Equality Act, becoming the largest state thus far to legalize gay marriage. And on June 26, 2015, of course, this was the moment, and it was a 5-4 decision in the Supreme Court that declared that same-sex marriage uh, was legal, became legal in all 50 states. It was the decision in the Obergefell versus Hodges uh, case. And that's when, I think that's when, that was when Obama lit up the White House with the rainbow colors. And so that was kind of like, I mean, where do you go from there? (laughs) And of course, since then, I mean, the goal, the goal clearly wasn't just gay marriage, um, because we see now that there's so much more going on. There's the trans movement. There's the, um, you know, drag street, drag queen story hour. There's, there's so much, um, confusion and so much radicalization of the culture by the gay, the LGBTQ movement, uh, since, since 2015. Um, it, in fact, it's gotten, it's gotten even, it's gotten so extreme. Um, I was just, walking down my block the other day and there's, you know, at West Elm, there's like a giant mural on the wall of, of a gay flag basically. And then on, and then there's multiple gay flags on the windows of the store. And I mean, as you know, everywhere you go, every store you go to, every corporation is promoting this LGBT agenda and it's, it's it's quite bizarre, really. I don't know what is behind it, except Satan, because it um, it's so it's so over the top. It's so extreme, and so next week I, I want to get into this other book that I recently read called After the Ball. Um, after the Ball. Uh, that the subtitle is how America will conquer its fear and hatred of gays in the nineties. And it was written, it was published in 1989. It was written by two Harvard grads. And basically it was their manifesto. It's uh, on, on how to normalize homosexuality in America. And they were very specific on how to do it basically it, it is this, this kind of the manual or the manifesto of the gay agenda, the homosexual agenda. And again, it was published in 1989. So next time I'm going to go through kind of key moment, key, key um, points in the book that are quite shocking and have all come to pass basically. But, um, I'm going to go through what they said in the book and, and how those things have played out. So thank you for joining and I will see you next time on the Becca cook show. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beckett cook show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of the Beckett cook show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at BeckettCook.com.